great to see you. It's Pentecost Sunday, which uh, sometimes as a church we're not that great at knowing the calendar. We kind of remember Christmas and Easter, but today is Pentecost, the celebration of when the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father was poured out on the, on the church. And as we, what I'm going to do is go through loads of verses and I'm going to read them out because it's, there's promises for you from God in these verses that I honestly believe if you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, you can today. If you've never spoken in tongues, you can today. And if you've never received any other spiritual gifts, you can today. So, because you've got a promise and God is very faithful. So, Jesus placed a really huge emphasis upon the Holy Spirit. He placed such a huge emphasis, he said to the early disciples, don't even start the mission that I've given you in Matthew 28, the Great Commission to go to the nations until the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says in, one, in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be zipping probably mostly in the book of Acts, but we'll be in other verses as well. And uh, so Jesus is risen from the, the dead, he's with them, and he says that while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in order Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power, and you will be witnesses. And do you remember this? Let's remember this bunch, they, they, throughout the Gospels, they're not always that courageous, and they get stuff wrong, and Peter says, you know, I'll never deny you, Jesus, and, and then a, a slave girl asks him a question, and he immediately denies Jesus, and he denies Jesus again, then he denies Jesus again, and the rooster crows, and he remembers what Jesus has said. That these were people who were really often timid and frightened, and would run away. And it's this same bunch who the Bible also says turned the world upside down. And uh, once they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once they'd received power, they were <coughs> able to do what they previously hadn't been able to do. Which was to witness and to tell the world about who Jesus is. The early church placed a huge emphasis upon the Holy Spirit. Really, what we could say is, the book of Acts, and all the encounters that happen in the book of Acts, really happen because the Holy Spirit came upon the church. So in chapter 2 and verse 1 of Acts, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, which was a feast that they celebrated, they were all together in one place, and suddenly they came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to, to them and, res and, and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then really the church launches <coughs> and they're bold and brave and they're going out and telling the world. And so the early church made a huge emphasis upon how people receive the Holy Spirit. So Paul's, the Apostle Paul, the first question he would ask a new group of believers is, have you received the Spirit? So in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, he's in Ephesus, and he meets a bunch of people who look like they're new believers. And it says in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, And it happened that while Apostle Paulus was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what were you baptised? They said, into, into John's baptism. And, and Paul said, John's, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after them, that is Jesus. You remember John the baptiser who told people to repent because the kingdom of God is coming. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they, they'd come to believe in Jesus, and then immediately Paul laid his hands on them the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 of them. Just 12 people. And you know that those 12 people, because the Holy Spirit came on them, literally turned Ephesus upside down. And all you can really say is it was the Holy Spirit coming upon believers that caused the gospel to spread in that whole area. So Paul's first question to new believers would be, First, have you come to know Jesus? And then, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? And baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just one event that we look back on and say, yeah, that happened to me ten years, five years, a year ago. The Bible speaks about this exhortation, this encouragement to go on being filled by the Holy Spirit. That it's an ongoing experience to being again and again and again and again uh, filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 5.18, there we find, we find, uh, the reason I'm, we want to look at the verses is because I want you to see that you've got promises from God and, and they're there for you. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing hearing by the word of God. So, so Ephesians 5 and verse 18, and it says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymn, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, giving thanks always for everything, uh, God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And go, it says, be filled with the Spirit. And I don't understand Greek, but apparently the tense there is the, the present continuous tense. It's 
Be filled, go on being filled. Be filled, go on being filled. It's not a one-time only example. In Acts chapter 4, 30, we find another occasion where the disciples who had been baptised in the Spirit at Pentecost are then baptised in the Spirit again in Acts chapter 4 and verse 30. So they're praying that Peter's going to be released. And in verse 30 it says, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. So that's, that's a meeting and a half, isn't it? The physical meeting place is actually physically shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they, they needed to be filled again because when there's persecution and, and things uh, opposing them, they need to be filled with boldness again. And we find again in Acts chapter 8, this question, have you been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, is an important question. In Samaria, it's clear that the disciples there had clearly been converted and come to know Jesus. They'd been baptised, but they yet hadn't received the Holy Spirit. And uh, in chapter 8 of Acts and verse 14, it says... And when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then we read about them when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So obviously something demonstrative and visible had happened, because Simon, the Bible calls the sorcerer, saw it and thought, Oh, I wouldn't mind that gift. And, uh, but what we see is they're clearly converted, they've come to know Jesus, they've been baptised, but the apostles in Jerusalem want to know, have they received the Holy Spirit yet? Which is evidence that the receiving of the Holy Spirit is a separate event from the initial conversion. Because, yeah, you're born again by the Spirit and you come to know Jesus by the Spirit. And you can't say Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit. But there's this thing that Jesus says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it hadn't yet happened in uh, the Samaritan's life. The Apostle Paul as well is a demonstration that you can have an encounter with Jesus, a conversion experience, and then the baptism in the Spirit is a later event. So in 9.17, if you remember the Apostle Paul, who was previously Saul, he was persecuting the church, he was on his way to Damascus to throw believers into prison, and on his way there he has a vision of Jesus, and Jesus says, you're persecuting me. He falls off his donkey, he falls down blind, and he's converted in a dramatic encounter with God. And, and then he's blind, and a man called Aeneas is said, go and see Saul. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, So Aeneas departed and entered the house, and laying hands on him, on Paul, said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight, because you've been made physically blind, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, he regained his sight, then he rose up and he was baptised in water, he then took food and he was strengthened. So that's an interesting order. He sees Jesus, gets baptised in the Holy Spirit, and then gets baptised in water. So you can see that in the book of Acts is a whole load of different patterns here between you know, the Samaritans, they're converted, baptised in water, then filled with the Spirit, and it's a little different in, um, with Paul. Another character is Cornelius. So he's the first Gentile convert. In Acts chapter 10, we see that he seems to get pretty much everything apart from baptism in water all at the same time. So Cornelius, Peter, do you remember? Peter sees the vision of the food coming down and then Jesus says to him, go kill and eat. And Peter says, I've never eaten anything unclean. And then there's a knock at the door and Cornelius, who's been praying to God and wants to know about the gospel, God sends an angel to Peter to get Peter to go and share the gospel with Cornelius. Peter's a bit nervous because the gospel at this point has only really ever gone to Jewish people. He's never been in a Gentile's house. But then he remembers the vision, actually, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. He goes in and starts to tell Cornelius and probably a household full of people who have come to hear the good news. And that's in Acts chapter 10. And the, the, the bit I wanted to draw your attention to is verse 45. So Acts chapter 10. So he's talking about the gospel and he says, we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him, uh, made him to appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the, he's the appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Um, to him all the prophets bear witness and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and sins through his name. Then it says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers among the circumcised who, who had come and Peter was amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even Gentiles. For they were hearing him, for, for he was hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptising these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So Peter's speaking, they're hearing the gospel that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's been raised from the dead and he died for people's sins. And while Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on them, they're baptised in the Holy Spirit. They get gift of tongues immediately. And then he says, right, okay, we'll baptise them. So you can see the Holy Spirit comes in different ways. Sometimes it can be the whole thing is all in one moment, like it seems for Cornelius. Here's the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues, gets baptised in water. For the Samaritans, it's different. For Paul, it's different. But in the end, they're all receiving the Holy Spirit. So as we're getting to 
think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, there are some things that we can hear that can really help us um, grow in our faith and expectation. Because it's clear from the Bible that God's intention and promise is for all believers. That every single person here who's a believer in Jesus, or yet to, you could become a believer in Jesus this morning, and then you could get become a believer, get baptised in the Spirit, receive the gift of tongues, and start prophesying all this morning. You could get the whole thing in one morning, which sounds that sounds really, really fun. Because God's promises for every believer, there is a promise to be filled with the Holy Spirit for everyone. It's interesting, if you look at the Old Testament, what you see is the Holy Spirit just fell on people for special roles and jobs. You remember Gideon, or, you know, he's timid. It says the Holy Spirit clothed him, and then he became bold. And you just see the odd person here and there getting filled with the Holy Spirit in judges, kings. They're just special people for special occasions, for special tasks. But God's promise was actually that all people will be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive the gifts of the Spirit. So remember, Pentecost, Peter, the others have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The promise has come. Now, Peter has got to give an explanation to everyone because they look drunk. I mean, Ephesians says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So people thought they were drunk. You know, they weren't just happy. They look, in, they look intoxicated. So he needs to give an explanation of what's going on. And part of Peter's explanation in his sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 is to remind them of a promise that God had made Joel hundreds of years before. And that promise was this, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So... The, the promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise for all people. Not just special people, not just people for special occasions or special tasks or special ministries, but for all God's people, that he would be poured out on all flesh. And Peter is saying at Pentecost, what you're seeing is the fulfilment of the promise that was made, for, um, made by Joel. And then Peter goes on in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and say, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, so first he says, for the promise is for you. So who are the you? The people who are listening in that moment. He's saying, you've got a promise. And then he's saying, for your children. So this is now multi-generation. And then he's saying, for all who are far off. So this is now a promise for the nations and for all people. And then, this is where we come in, everyone whom our Lord God calls to himself. We're part of the everyone. Amen. So, okay. Good news, the gospel moved out of Jerusalem, moved in Judea, moved into Samaria, moved into Europe, moved across all the nations. So that now we are everyone. Amen. So, some people say, have I got a promise from God? Well, you have, because you're part of the everyone. And so you have the promise of the Holy Spirit, because that's, you're included. All who are far off, all the Lord God will call to himself. So the first part of receiving the Holy Spirit is to 
to understand, are you included, yes or no? Because that's a really important thing in receiving the Holy Spirit. Because if your conclusion is, I'm not included, it's quite hard to receive. I'm not saying it's impossible. Cornelius seemed to receive, and I don't even, even knew what he was about to receive. He just heard the good news and the Holy Spirit fell. But there's something about recognising I'm included. There's something about faith in God that opens things up. If you're a believer, you're included. You have a promise from God, which is wonderful and amazing. The Bible does not say, or sometimes people say things like this, okay, there's a promise, but that promise is not really for me. Some people say, well, I don't feel I'm worthy enough yet to receive a promise like that. When I'm worthy, then I can receive a promise. Or when I'm ready, um, when I've read enough or understand enough and I'll be ready. Or um, maybe when I'm perfect enough, I'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people say, maybe God's not ready for me. And uh, you hear people say, when God's ready for me, he knows where I live. I mean, I, I mean, he's promised it in Joel, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. He did it 2,000 years ago, and he's poured out on a, in the beginning on all flesh. And now he's saying, you've got a promise. I think God is pretty clear. <laughs> you've got a promise. So it's a wonderful, accessible promise that we have this morning. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, so there's a clue in there for you and me, isn't it? It's the gift of the Father, it's the gift. It's not based on our performance or even our human effort. Um, we don't have to get into a posture and really, really try really hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no rule keeping in order to receive the Holy Spirit. There's simply believing what you heard. And so Galatians, the book of Galatians is a wonderful book, really, to, to grow in our faith. And chapter 3 is, is, a, is an incredible thing about just the simplicity of believing what you heard. And in chapter 3 it says, Oh foolish Galatians, sometimes when I'm being legalistic I like to put my name in there. Oh foolish Jamie, who bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was public portrayed as crucified. Then Paul says, let me ask you <coughs> only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Which is another way of saying rules and law and human effort and trying hard. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing by faith? So it's that simple thing. We hear it by faith. We hear what he said and we go to him on the basis of his promise and we receive it because he said no human effort, no rule keeping, simply believing what we hear. So... The absolute number one key for receiving the Holy Spirit and actually any gift of the Holy Spirit is the simple thing of believing that he wants to. That he's got a promise for us and I only have to go and ask him and receive it. 
mean, I was brought up in a, in a family who had no history of church whatsoever. We never went to church. Actually, I don't think I ever went, I went to church once up to the age of 18. I had no experience of anything of church whatsoever. My mum was suddenly converted because she, she was really a, a, an atheist and she'd been invited to some friends who, who just said, look, we just want to tell you about what we believe and about Jesus. And she left that house saying, I wish I could believe what you believe, but I can't. I just couldn't. But she got home and opened the front door and the Holy Spirit had filled the whole house. So she, uh, she believed. <laughs> and she, got, she became a Christian, which we laughed in the morning. Yeah. Not sure if it was a mocking laugh, but a rather surprised laugh. How can you go from atheist to believer in one night? We had no experience of anything of, 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 anything of Christianity whatsoever. And so I started to go to church because I began to have all these questions, which as an 18-year-old, I tried to stop <coughs> asking questions. I, kept, I thought, I've got to stop asking questions. I'm sounding way too interested in this. And I really don't want to be interested in this whatsoever. This is not really what I really, really want at all. But I go to church, and suddenly I'm in, I'm in meetings where there's, there's people might be speaking in tongues, language given by God, and there's interpretations. And I'm intrigued, and I'm trying to understand all this. And I borrow a cassette. Do you remember tapes? <laughs> from, the, from the church library. <laughs> If you couldn't get the Sunday cassette, you had to get something else. There wasn't the Sunday one. So I grabbed Yonki Cho teaching about prayer. And, and I, it was a Sunday night. I, I listened to this talk. And basically the idea was, if you want a red bike, ask him for a red bike. Be specific in your prayers. He's really good and he knows you. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit <laughs> and, um, on something like that. And I didn't really understand anything, really. I just know that he was real in an instant. And, and for me, it wasn't until, so that would have been the beginning of May, the 27th of May, I, I then repented, I came to Christ, I confessed that I wanted to follow him, I, I wanted to live a new life, and then I came to him formally, because I, I kind of knew he was real and he had done something, but I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to follow him, like I had much choice really, you know, he, he'd basically done a Cornelius on me really, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I then got back. I said yes to him, I got baptised in water, and I heard that there was something called this gift of tongues, and my mum didn't know much more than me, she was one step ahead of me on any of the things really, so we're in the car saying, what is this thing I heard, this language, someone was singing out and speaking out, and what's that all about, and she said it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and you could go and ask for the Holy Spirit and he gives you the gift. Remember, I don't know anything, so I'm completely naive about anything. So I think, oh, God, I went to my room and said, can I have the Holy, can, Holy Spirit, can I have the gift of tongues? And immediately got the gift of tongues. Because I didn't really have any history of, is it for now, is it not for now, and do you have to wait, and do you have to be worthy, is, you know, do I have to work hard? I didn't know anything, so that actually kind of sometimes makes it a lot easier to know nothing. So I got it and asked and received it, because there was a gift. So the key to receiving, really, I think it's sometimes being curious and believing, actually, I've got a promise. So the next one is hearing with faith, is the, is the believing that the promise is for you. So if you believe that you're included in the promise, it's, in, it, it, it's important to understand that <coughs> the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something that you wait to feel ready for. It's a gift of grace and therefore, you, there's nothing you need to do to earn it. So, 
moving through it, Cornelius, remember the guy, the baptism, the Gentile, he didn't have to wait for maturity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It just happened to him and he, 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 he received the Holy Spirit and he spoke in tongues. Remember the Ephesians in chapter 19 and verse 4. They were dripping wet with, after baptism and then they received the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't have to wait until somehow he'd emptied himself and was now an empty vessel that God could fill. He, he'd come to know Jesus, scales dropped off his eyes, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, then he got baptised in water. The key thing is, if you are longing to be filled today, you will be filled today. Because, and it's got really nothing to do, like with any person, it's actually got everything to do with the one who promised. Jesus said this in John 17, in John 7 verse 37. John 7, verse 30, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. So that's Pentecost, and then the Spirit is poured out in all flesh. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now all that's happened, Jesus has died, he's risen, been glorified. The promise of Joel has been fulfilled that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And Jesus says, really, the only qualification to receive the Holy Spirit is you just need to be thirsty to receive him. He doesn't say, if anyone deserves this, let him come to me. Or he doesn't say, if anyone's really, really impressive, come to me. Um, all he seems to say is, do you, do you sense a longing and a hungering for more? And I'm not even quite sure if we have to even worry too much about how much hunger do we have and do I need to generate hunger? Because I don't know about you, I could turn everything into a law and a rule and a discipline within a second. And we can turn even being thirsty into a discipline I think being thirsty is, I'm just, it's just, I'm thirsty, I'm not conjuring up anything, I'm just looking and thinking, oh Lord Jesus, I would like power, I'd like to be a witness, or even we say things like, I'm not even sure I'm longing to be thirsty, but would you give me a longing to be thirsty? I think we can ask him for even the first, I, you know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, you know, actually we need him to give us taste buds to taste and see that he is good. So I don't think anything really is more than a childlike simplicity of, oh, there's something for me. Oh, I'd like that something. Don't even know what that something completely is, but it sounds like good to have that something, so I'm going to go to Jesus and go and get it. I don't honestly think we should... I think we have to come to a kind of childlike naivety. Just, he said it, I'd like it. Children don't, I don't think, children, when they ask for an ice cream, get all uptight about, do I deserve it, do I merit it, do I, do, should I have it, can I have it, I, I just don't know, they see the van and they seem to, maybe we should just be like that with the ice cream van of the Holy Spirit today, I'd like it. So Jesus says in Luke chapter 11 and 9 to 13, he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? For if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, 
who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the, will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a first thing, just recognising whatever level that is, I really need you and I'm coming to you to ask. The interesting thing is in the book of Acts you often see that it came, the Holy Spirit came upon people through the laying on of hands but ultimately it's always still coming to Jesus. Amen. So it's not like Simon the sorcerer looked on and thought, give me the special gift so I can do what you're doing, Peter. But actually, whatever it is, it's always um, coming to Jesus. Come and drink, come and receive, uh, just come and ask. Let him come to me and drink. So what we're going to do now is, is we're going to believe, we believe in God that the promise is for us and we're going to come and receive. So I'm just going to invite you to stand and, and it seems to be that in the New Testament often, I would say often, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was often accompanied by the gift of speaking in tongues. I say often because I think it's not always that way, but often the first supernatural gift a person receives is, is the gift of speaking in tongues. And, and so we're going we're gonna to come to Jesus first and we're going to come and ask and come and receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we're also going to believe as well that there's the gift of tongues for any who don't have that.